Hey everyone, this is Bola from CleverGirlFinance.com and welcome to another episode of the Clever Girls Know podcast. Today I am super, super, super excited to tell you I have an epic, amazing guest on the show. Her name is Farnoosh Tarabi. She is one of America's leading personal finance authorities and I am a huge fan of this woman. She has inspired me and encouraged me in so many ways and I am so honored and grateful to have her on the podcast today. And we're going to be talking about relationships and money, specifically when she makes more. So if you are in your relationship and you're making more than your significant other, then you need to listen into my conversation with Farnoosh. Farnoosh is also the host of her own podcast called So Money. It is an awesome podcast. I subscribe to it and I've listened to it since the very beginning. And if you're looking for other money podcasts to help keep you motivated on your journey to financial success, you want to check out the So Money podcast. She's also had her own show on CNBC and she currently writes the money column in O, Oprah Magazine, and also for Mint.com. In addition, Farnoosh has also been on a ton of other media publications. So she's been on CNN, Good Morning America, Dr. Oz, NBC Today. She's been featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, in Fortune, Forbes, Time Magazine, Marie Claire, and the list goes on. So I'm really honored and really grateful to have Farnoosh on the show, and I can't wait for you guys to listen in. But before we get into the episode, if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, please do either on iTunes, SoundCloud, or on Stitcher, and head over to clevergirlfinance.com and subscribe there as well so you can become a part of the Clever Girl Finance Tribe. Let's get into my conversation with Farnoosh. So welcome to the podcast, Farnoosh. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I know that you were on my podcast not too long ago and you were answering some money questions with me. So I'm happy to pay back the favor and, and engage with your awesome audience. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and thank you for having me on your podcast. It was an honor and a pleasure and just super exciting for me. So, (laughs) yay. So you guys who are are listening, you've probably heard me talk about Farnoosh before. I really admire um, what she's about and what she does. And she had written a book, a really insightful book called When She Makes More. So Farnoosh, what was your inspiration behind the book? Oh, okay. (laughs) How much time do we have? No, I (laughs) So When She Makes More came out in 2014, and a couple years before that, I had gotten married, and a couple years before that, I was in a very serious relationship with my then fiance, and Mm -hmm. I just, I found myself for the first time in my financial life a little confused, a little without direction. You know, I was making more than my partner, and it didn't really matter to me, I mean, not intellectually. Like I got it. I was like, my career just pays more than his career. And I, you know, I have a different kind of business model and, and it wasn't like, I wasn't attaching my self-worth to it. I didn't think he was, it wasn't mucking up our intimacy or our communication, but I did feel that as a female breadwinner in the relationship, this was a taboo topic and I couldn't really talk about it openly. And we talk about how men are the breadwinners all the time. And we, um, celebrate that in some, in some cultures. And I felt that in my culture and in this America that we live in, this was not something that we could openly talk about and embrace. And for what reason, I didn't know, you know, and I even got some pushback from my mom who was kind of coming to terms with this herself. She's like, I don't understand you make more. And then how's that going to work out when you get married and have kids and 
all this financial pressures on you and you got to still be mom. And she just couldn't get it, you know? And I was like, Oh mom, you're being so antiquated and you're, I I wasn't so polite about it actually with her. I was like, stop telling me what to do and you don't know me. And you know, and I got really offended, but I think that I also, I didn't want to believe her, but I part of me was like, maybe if, what if she's right? You know? And Again, I didn't know who to talk to about it. I didn't feel like there wasn't a way for me to get good advice and find other female breadwinners. Nobody was really, you know, introducing themselves like that. Like, I'm a female breadwinner. So I thought, let me look into this. There's got to be some some explanation for this. And I just, I'm really fascinated by this. So I started to research it and realized that there's a lot of data out there. There are some people in the academic world that have researched this. And the data is really depressing. It finds that when she makes more, there's a higher chance for divorce. There's a higher chance for infidelity. She sometimes feels totally uh, just not in her element. He feels his ego gets bruised. He feels emasculated. And as a result, couples suffer a breakdown in communication and intimacy and all that. And it's why the divorce rate, the risk for divorce jumps by 50% when she makes more. And I just thought to myself, this can't be because all my life, and I'm sure in your life and a lot of your listeners, I mean, we were raised to be really strong women, right? Go out there, get your education, work hard, at whatever job, career track, entrepreneurship, Thing you want to do, like go out there, make more. I mean, all we hear about is how we have to close the gender gap, make more. And yet when we arrive in a relationship and we are all of those things, we're successful, we make more, we're independent, we're confident. These aren't necessarily considered to be assets in a relationship as a woman. I think that still we're very traditional when it comes to thinking about how marriages should work. And again, it wasn't that I felt insecure in myself or my husband was emasculated. It was that we felt that our relationship in this society was not being celebrated, was not being talked about, was not being embraced. In fact, there was a lot of criticism targeted at us. And when I looked at some of the other data, I found that when Pew Research looked at how America thinks marriages should be constructed, most people think that men should be breadwinners. Not many people have this same um, mentality and belief system around women and money. So mm-hmm. we do face a lot of headwinds, emotional headwinds around being female breadwinners in a relationship. And so I thought this is the book that I want to write. I want to write a book for women. I want it to be intel- intelligent. I want it to be needle moving. Like I want this to help women in ways that they didn't think they needed help. And I started to write this and really bring my personal life and story into it. And I did my own study of a thousand women, women who make more women who make less and how they feel about that. And just, it was, it was a two year journey to really get all this data and story behind it. And also advice, you know, I talked to women who were in thriving relationships where she made more. And I talked to gender experts and behavioral experts and relationship experts, because I certainly wasn't the expert on this. You know, I needed this help for me. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why I wanted to write the book. Selfishly, I wanted to help my marriage and feel better about it. And it has helped me. And I know it's helped a lot of men and women in their relationships. And it's probably my proudest book yet. 
Oh my God, I love the the book and I couldn't agree with you more in regards to what you just said. So I actually have a friend who got divorced because her now ex-husband couldn't wrap his head around the fact that she made more money than him. I have friends who have um, taken lower paying jobs when they got married so that they don't kind of offend their husband or his family because I come from a somewhat traditional you know, culture. I'm originally Mm -hmm. from Nigeria. I've actually had a guy tell me that, you know, in the early stages of us meeting that he could never marry someone like me because I'm too ambitious and I make more money than him. So I think it's, this is such an important topic because I get a lot of questions from my audience about, I don't know how to approach, approach the conversation with my boyfriend or my husband about making more because I feel like I don't know what to do. So Your book is very much needed. So guys, if you're listening, When She Makes More, it's on Amazon. You need it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So um, let me ask you this other question, Farnoosh. What would you say is the best way to manage communication around money and earning more without without hurting your significant other's feelings? So Mm. my husband is currently the the breadwinner. But when we first got married, I um, I was the breadwinner for the first three years of our marriage. And there were certainly times where it was just really difficult to have the conversation around money because I was making more. So based on your experience talking to the experts and, you know, working on creating your book, what would you say is the best way when it comes to communicating? I would say communicate often and communicate very honestly and be vulnerable when you communicate. You know, I think going in to your conversations with um, and sharing, you know, your concerns and, and being really honest, like sometimes we are ashamed of our feelings or we feel it's not appropriate to say that, for example, I, you know, I feel, I feel like my ego is kind of crushed. Mm-hmm. The fact that you make more, you know, if I was the guy and sometimes she doesn't feel comfortable either making more, she might say, you know what, I feel like I'm doing everything and I'm, I didn't, I don't want to be the breadwinner and I know I shouldn't have to, you know, choose, but I just don't want to be in this role. And if that's how you're feeling, you should say it out loud because you're in a relationship. You're not in a political campaign. You don't have to be politically (laughs) correct, right? True. You're you're, You're with somebody hopefully that will take good with the bad and understand that, you know, we're imperfect and we're irrational and we have emotions and we should just be able to share it all and not feel threatened and not feel like the other person's going to judge us. So that's the first thing, like that's the baseline. You have to feel like you can talk about money, talk about whatever you're feeling around it. And, and if you wonder how to do it, when to do it, you know, schedule it, schedule it once a month, once a week, but I think that ultimately the goal should be to talk about money in a way that is very fluent, not structured, that you're just doing it when it feels right all the time, whenever. Um, and to get a dialogue going that's that's really fluid and not, you know, like, okay, it's Sunday, we got to sit down and do our bills and talk about money. And that could be something that, that tactically works for you, but also don't just reserve all of your thoughts for that Sunday meeting. Like just keep it going, flowing, emails, texting, conversations, in person. Um, the more you talk about money, the easier it will get. It's just a muscle that has to start getting flexed as soon as possible in the relationship. And if you do feel that you are in a relationship where your partner is more closed off, doesn't like talking about money, you know, I, and I get this question. I say, go in with, uh, with this disposition that 
you know, you want to disarm your, your other partner, your partner, you want to, you want to make them feel comfortable. So how you do that is you start by sharing something very truthful and deep about your money thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and showing to your partner that you want to go this direction with them, that you want to go deep, that you're willing to get vulnerable, that you want to share. And hopefully that will open them up. You know, maybe they don't want to be the first to talk about it, but if you talk about it first and do it very honestly, that will, um, encourage them to do the same, to follow your suit. So sort of be a leader in that and, and model, be a model for the kind of financial relationship you want in your relationship. You know, if you want an open, honest financial dialogue to happen, then you have to start it and you have to model that. And hopefully your partner will, will catch on. And if he or she doesn't, then maybe you then get someone to come in and help you with that. You know, I find that for my husband and I, um, even though we were like, I'd say very good with our money and we talked about it, although I will say that because I made more, I did take on a lot of the decision-making perhaps in a vacuum and I didn't always like involve him. And he sometimes admitted that he felt intimidated to, or insecure about talking about what he thought we should do with the money. Cause a lot of it was my money. So he didn't feel like it was our money yet. Mm-hmm. So you got to get to that place. You got to, and the only reason I know this is because he shared it with me. So just share, share, share. But sometimes it still helps to get a third party in. You know, we had a financial plan or help us out in the beginning of our marriage to sort of level the playing field, figure out where our weak spots were, um, give us a plan, you know, and it was very helpful to have that person who cared equally about us, um, didn't prefer one of us over the other, you know, to play um, that objective voice for us. And it was really helpful in the beginning. We don't work with a planner now, but Mm -hmm. I think maybe we will in the future. Who knows? I think that you just have to know where you're at and what you need and always be looking for resources. Yeah, I definitely agree. And for, for us, um, I had to kind of figure out what my best approach was. So casual conversation is what works best for us even till to this day. And I had to kind of recognize um, the approach I was taking that was causing conflict. Um, so I think we all have that mothering gene in us where we sometimes can treat our significant others like our child. <laughs> yeah, it's a term. I would. I, I heard it from men and when I was reporting on my book that they felt like they were being financially mommied. Yes. Yeah, so I kind of have to had to check myself. And even now <laughs> that he makes more, um, you know, he doesn't treat me like his child either. So it's all about the communication, like you said. So what are your opinions when it comes to bills and building wealth? Um, Do you think that if you make more, you know, what are your thoughts around whether the bill should be split evenly or should they be split according to who earns more? And Mm -hmm. this is one of the big, big questions I get from my audience because I'm finding that with the women who are part of the Clever Girl Finance Tribe who are making more, this determining the split tends to lead to conflict. Yeah. It's hard because even if you're making a little bit less or a little bit more, or you're an entrepreneur and your partner has a steady job, steady income, it's hard to split everything just tactically, you know, logistically, it can't happen all the time like that. And some people, I know I get, I get people writing in too, like I'm, I'm upset that I, you know, I want to split childcare with my husband because I feel like it's his equal responsibility. And I'm like, that's fine split childcare, but then maybe there have to be trade-offs because he makes less than you. So he can't split everything. But if this is really important to you, if the childcare variable is very important to you, then that has to be 
what you split and everything else, you got to figure out a different arrangement and be okay with it. So that's where I would say part of the strategy is you got to think about if you are someone who wants to split everything, can you, I mean, sometimes you just can't. And it's just, it's not a matter of, of preference. It's just a matter of, you know, logistics. If someone's making less then they can't split everything 50, 50, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean they can't contribute something, but they can't do 50, 50. But if there are certain things that you just feel emotionally needs to be split 50, 50, like that person who said childcare, it's our child. We share this child. We both need to pay for preschool. I get mm-hmm. that, but it's a personal discovery. And so in your relationships, have these personal discoveries. What are the things that we feel important from a, an emotional and psychological and maybe whatever, ever level that we want to split evenly, prioritize those, figure out how you're going to streamline your incomes or your, your checking accounts to pay for these things. Maybe it's you pull all your money into a designated account that is for split costs mm-hmm. and that account pays for everything or it's that shared credit card that pays for everything split and then your, um, your shared account reconciles that. But I think that when it's, it gets trickier the more disparate the incomes are. And so in our relationship, I'll use an example. You know, I make more money than my husband. Um, and we decided that what would make sense for us is that I pay for a lot of the recurring monthly bills that are significant, but I can cover it then he will be more of like the long-term saver for our really for our family. So he invests in things like the 529 and he puts a lot into his retirement and he, you know, takes out the life insurance policies and he may not have the the kind of income that can afford our big monthly expenses, but I think that he we realized he can definitely pay towards long-term investments and long-term savings and also like midterm, medium-term savings, like Mm -hmm. saving up for a vacation, saving up for, um, uh, you know, next year's preschool, perhaps. I think that with planning, he can really contribute a lot and it's more, it's just a little bit harder for him to like, you know, pay the big bills every month. I can do that. I'm fine with doing that. I'm not emotionally, you know, upset about it. Like I just, it, for me, it's like the bills have to get paid. I'll pay them. And it, for him, it really gives his money meaning when that happens. You know, I think that's the other thing. It's like, what will give your money the most meaning? What will make you feel good about in the relationship that you are fine covering? Um, I know that in some relationships, there are couples that have, there's one person that has debt. So where they may be making just as much money, their the incomes are 50, like, you know, equal, but one person has a lot of debt. So they can't split everything because they've got all this debt. Mm-hmm. So what I say in those relationships, maybe the person who doesn't have the debt could cover the full rent, the full car payment, the full, you know, food costs for six months with the expectation that the other person will be using that money that they're not spending on expenses to put towards the debt. So you are effectively helping this person in your merit, you know, your partner get out of debt, not writing this person a check, but helping to cover a lot of the expenses so they can, you know, shore up the cash to pay off the debt. And good when that person pays off the debt, it helps everybody. It's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. 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 And we have a similar um, model, kind of like how you and your husband have, where my husband kind of pays the big bills, but I'm focused on saving, um, 
and putting money aside for future for our kids and also kind of helping plan our family finances, even though he's earning the bulk of the income right now. Mm-hmm. And he always makes this joke that, listen, when you make it big, I'm going to become a real house husband of New Jersey. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> they have to do that show. Where is that show? I know. Right. Okay, All so- these housewives <laughs> now have partners that aren't working because they're all making all the money leveraging their brands exactly I know. or their husbands are like the assistants or the yeah, business managers or- the back end <laughs> of the business right but they seem to make it work so again the communication is really important so i guess yeah works the other thing i was going to say is there's lots of standards around relationships and marriages about what should be happening you know on tv you hear it you read books about it or you have friends tell you but I think it's really important that people sit with their person you sit with the person you're married to you're dating Mm -hmm. and you you come up with your own standard for yourself you know and be careful what standards you take from outside to apply to your relationship because it can cause problems I agree yeah you know um keeping up with the Joneses, all of that. It's, it's not good. It's not healthy. And I think that your marriage is very sacred. You know, you want to treat it like this very special sacred thing and you only know what's right for yourselves. And don't worry that, I mean, I wrote, when I wrote in the book, when she makes more, I offered some suggestions, just suggestions, not like you got to do this. But I was like, in some marriages, including mine, sometimes a little chivalry goes a long way. Mm-hmm. You know, when my husband pays for dinner, when we go out, when he, um, you know, allows me to step into my femininity so that because I sometimes feel like I'm playing a masculine role because I make more and even though it doesn't really bother me, but I like, you know, being treated and I like being felt taken care of because it, it like kind of, it it just, it keeps a balance, you know, for me. And those are, these are the things that we do. This is like the dance that we play in our relationship. And that's, it works for us. Someone looking in might think you guys are being totally, you know, patriarchal and ridiculous. And for news, you're letting, you're bowing to patriarchy. And I've heard that. I'm like, (laughs) give me a break. I'm still married. Okay. (laughs) That's what matters. And my happiness is my happiness. It's not your happiness. So let's just stay in your lane. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Stay in your wedding lane. (laughs) Okay, so here's a big one. Um, A lot of women who earn more have secret accounts. And you guys who are listening, you know who you are because you've reached Uh out to me many times. (laughs) So tell me what your thoughts about this. I don't like that. That's terrible. I don't like it when a man does it. I don't like it when a woman does it. That is called financial infidelity and it needs to end because it is not healthy. It's, and it probably will, it implies bigger problems in the relationship. If you have to hide an account from your partner, there are issues there that you're not addressing, or maybe you are addressing by doing this account. It it means that, you know, you're not confident enough to be transparent with your partner. It means that you don't trust him or there's a lack of trust somewhere. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, so we don't have secret accounts, um, but people ask me a lot. And I always make this joke where I say, I don't have a secret account. He knows how much I have. And, but if for whatever reason I needed to get my money before he got to the money, <laughs> I know how to do that. But um, look, not- if you know you want to get a divorce, <laughs> 
you need to start a secret account, 100%. I've written about this. Yeah, so. Before you announce you want to get a divorce, you got to get your finances in order. And part of that is opening up your own credit card, opening up your own bank account. Yes, so have your own plan. Have a plan, because once you get divorced, things go ugly. And you just want to make sure that you have enough to protect yourself, to be able to move out, to be able to pay your bills, and, you know, just protect yourself, hire your own lawyer, all that, and have Mm -hmm. a separate account and separate credit card. Exactly. And I also think that secret accounts, honestly, when they're discovered, even if if they're cash savings or if they're debt, they can lead to big issues um, in the relationship down the road because it's the whole trust factor. Um, So, yeah, ladies, rethink that. (laughs) Yeah. Or rethink the relationship. (laughs) True. That is true. Like, you know, why do you have to hide money from your secret account? Yeah, it's not good. Okay, so here's my last question for Anoush. Um, a lot of women who make more, they tend to carry guilt and resentment um, because they feel like in order to make more, they have to keep up with their career and their businesses. Mm-hmm. But then they also feel like, you know, they need to take on the womanly role of taking care of the household and taking care of their kids. So how do you, you know, being a woman who makes more, how do you manage the guilt? How do you avoid the resentment of just being the breadwinner and having a household and a family and children and not feeling some kind of way about it. I talk about that in the book, you know, and I think the bottom line is if you want to achieve it all, don't go it alone. You got to get a team. You got to get help. I think as women, sometimes we don't because we feel like we're super women. We should be able to do it ourselves. Um, It might cost money to outsource things and we feel torn about whether that's really worth it. And Um, this is again, where it gets complicated and complex because if the man was making more, typically the wife does all the other things. And the only thing she's not doing is going out there and working and making more money at a desk job or in the, you know, but she's definitely earning her worth and, but like she's managing all the other stuff. Now you're the breadwinning woman and you're not just doing that. You're doing everything else you would have been doing if you were not working, (laughs) (laughs) You know, out in the workforce, you'd still, you're still cooking, you're still cleaning. When she makes more, she does more housework, Bola, than a woman who makes the same or less. Can you believe it? And it's part of that is because she feels she needs to overcompensate for taking on a very traditionally masculine role that I'm going to come home and do a very traditionally feminine role, which is clean toilets, which is just ridiculous. (laughs) So the first thing you have to do is just get it out of your head that you have to do it all in order to be like, you know, an accomplished wife, an accomplished mother, an accomplished businesswoman, that you can still be successful in all of those realms and all of those roles, but you have to be smart about it. You have to realize what your limits are. You have to realize what you don't like doing and outsource it. Outsourcing is a huge investment in your life. It does cost money, but it gives you back time. It gives you Um, more peace of mind and it allows you to do other things that you care more about Mm -hmm. and also enlist your husband. So this is important, right? When she makes more sometimes uh, how we perceive our purpose and role in a relationship gets flipped. Like a guy thought I, I thought I was gonna be the breadwinner and now I'm not. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. And now she's making more and thinking, how am I going to do this and all these other things? So you have to, as a relate, as a couple, reassign your roles and purposes. And I've, I've learned this from couples who 
um, have done this and are, are doing very well and are still married and happy. So she makes more and he doesn't. And, he, or, and so she came to him and she said, I need you. And, and listen, this is the good news. Men want to still take care of you and be your hero and provide. But if they can't do that financially, you got to find other ways for them to do that. And you have to present it to them in such a way where they really feel like by taking on this new role and this new purpose, that this is going to ultimately make you the happiest woman on the planet. And when they feel that from you, they will do anything and they will do it with a smile, you know, Um, because that's just back to going back to like how men think and what men want, Um, which is the good news. So leverage that. So go to your man and be like, you know, uh, the most important thing that I think you could do for me and for us is to do X, Y, and Z or X and Y or just X. Mm -hmm. For us in our relationship, it was can you switch your hours at work, husband, and come home at the same time that I do or even earlier so that I can work a little bit later? When I come home, I don't have to like immediately immerse myself in like childcare and cooking and stuff like that. And for us to be able to be home at the same time, it allows us to split the childcare and not feel like I am suddenly like super overwhelmed. Because even if I'm having a if I have a, a day, a long day at work, I then have to come home and do all the kid stuff. And then I have to think somehow how I'm going to, I got to finish working at eight o'clock, nine o'clock when I'm exhausted. Yeah. That happened to us. And I was like, I had reached a breaking point. And so I said, the most important thing you can do for us right now. And this evolves like the most important thing now is going to be different in six months and three years. So always think about what is the most important thing that your husband can do for you to take a load off your plate that he is responsible for entirely. So don't ask for his help, ask for his accountability, ask Mm -hmm. for him to fully take over something or some things in the household that you are doing that you don't want to be doing that he can do just as well. And even if he can't do it just as well, guess what? It's going to get done. And that's all that's, that matters. Done is better than perfect. <laughs> so lower your standards a little bit is kind of what I'm saying too. <laughs> I love that. I love the accountability. And for us, the the biggest one for us was outsourcing, getting someone to come clean our house. It helped yep. me avoid so much conflict. And like we still have someone who comes to clean our house once a month just because... It, it's helping my marriage. It feels so good. It feels so good to walk into your house and everything's clean. And even if it just lasts for two days, it's, yeah. it's wonderful. It's worth it. Yes, yes. So thank you so far, so much, Farnoosh. This has been awesome. Um, I appreciate you being here. But before you go, um, how can folks listening keep up with you? Where can they find you? Well, I'd love for everyone to come onto the podcast and, and, and tune in. And I know that your hours are limited in the day, but... Um, whenever you get the chance to, you know, tune into a show, I would love that. And every Friday I answer your money questions. So the way that you can get in touch with me and ask me what you're, what you're struggling with is to go to somoneypodcast.com and click on ask Farnoosh. And there you can uh, leave me your question either through voicemail or leave a typed question. And, um, yeah, I hope to see you tuning in and, what else? Uh, that's really my baby right now. I really want to keep growing that podcast. So I'd love for you guys to just uh, come in and, and join me there. So it's the So Money Podcast. And for a new really quick 30-second story, when you first launched your podcast, I used to listen to it every single day when I was commuting to work. 
I would listen to it on the way to work. And on my way back, I would call a friend who was also listening and we would discuss Aww. the guests. We would discuss the topic. And we what? couldn't wait for the next episode. Like you had so many great episodes. David Back, Matthew Knowles. There were just so Matthew many Matthew Knowles, to. Beyonce's dad. Yes, oh you had Beyonce's dad on your show. And we would discuss it and be like, oh my God, why did he answer that way? Why did she answer that way? Oh my God, this is what she was thinking. It was such an awesome um, experience for me when I was commuting. And I still listen to your podcast. I'm a huge fan. I love it. So you guys check it out. You will love it too. Oh, thank you so much, Bola. And likewise, you're doing such incredible work. I'm so happy to have you in this space. It's so important that we have your voice and we have your leadership and just thank you for all the work that you do. It's really making a difference. Thanks, Varnoosh. I appreciate you. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening into today's episode with Varnoosh. And if you have loved what you have listened to, please head over to wherever you subscribe and leave a review so other people can find this podcast too. I'll talk to you guys on the next episode. Bye.